Hi, ho, Daddy the Skull here, watching the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities. Why do I have an Irish accent? I don't know. I don't know what that he's was. Red. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Flaming. If we red. had a Patreon, that would be a really good bonus bit. Anyway, I'll start now. <laughs> On that yeah. note. This is episode 15, right? 16. 16. 16. Oh, I got my numbering off somewhere. I changed it. Oh, thank you. Okay. That's just for me. All right. Speaker mode? Are we on it? Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities. I'm your host, Kat Cloco. This is episode 16. We're still here. And tonight I am joined with by Christina Wald and Jen Kohler. And I look like a terrible banshee that's haunting both of them. So on that note, we're an official podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Find us on iTunes at Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities. Please rate and review us so other spooky lovers like you can find us on both YouTube and iTunes. So, Christina, we have a weekly comic we are spotlighting yes. of local artists. Can you tell us about this week's comic? Well, it's a sham. <laughs> it's all uh, sham it's a, it's a sham life's a sham um i suppose it's appropriate when we talk about fake news and stuff like that um our friend tim fuller who also designed uh the beautiful look of cabinet of curiosities he did all of the layout and he's a very talented designer um he was also, our art director yeah he and it's gonna be art director on the next book which we might talk a little bit about that tonight too um yeah. um so he uh basically takes public domain comics and rewrites them in a very humorous way and um he's been published now by source point press how many issues have come out do you know he's done like i know he's writing six more issues but i thought six or seven had come out and he's on he's working on the next six but uh, he's got a shamnibus that just has come out. It's an 80-page giant of all Golden Age classics done sham style, featuring Bozo the Robot, Lingerie Lass, Ray Gunn Jr. of the Space Force, Johnny Sassback, The Secret Origin that of one's good. Captain Attaway, and much, much more for a mere $10, brought to you from the pals at SourcePoint Press. So uh, we'll post a link in the show notes. And also you have made a website so we can start like putting yeah. sort of bloggy kind of things on there. Yeah. So yeah, the website is um, in the process of being built. So please don't visit it yet. It's embarrassing right now. Um, things are not where they're supposed to be. We have pictures merging with margins and text going everywhere but anyway uh we will have a website where we'll be putting all of our wonderful comics that we recommend or we're featuring on the podcast and also sources for all of our topics so you too can go look up whatever you want that we've talked about because it will be there definitely and also blogs and probably photos of your kittens christina yes well i expect many new cat photos (laughs) And old cat yes. photos. I mean, we have to. And old cat photos. We we don't want to leave Miffy out. No. <laughs> um, With a, Jen, you have cats too, don't you? I just have one, Betsy Kitty. She's she uh, adorable. She's a sassy one. They're all <laughs> sassy. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, we highly recommend you check out Sham. Uh, Tim does a really good job writing it, um, and he's got a whole bunch of different topics. Uh, that he's done on it it's 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 a very well done uh series and my favorite book is escape from sex that he did <laughs> that was good which i believe he may correct me upon hearing this is <clears throat> i don't remember what it originated as. i think it was one of those very conservative house whoa hello there um sorry, sorry. It, it was a it was a fun conservative family book from the 1960s that he rewrote it and it's about a man trying to um i think it was escaping his wife who's really horny (laughs) 
and I just love the juxtaposition of the types of illustrations and the illustrations are just your classic uh, golden age Marvel type look to it but I just remember it's not going to make sense out of context but the two kids just like look at you look at the guy and are like who are you are you our daddy like very sassy like so it's just great I think I own all of them I have all of the sham books because uh, Tim is my convention buddy we're always next to each other at conventions mm-hmm. and it looks like we just uh, we've been talking about space they're going to try to do it live this year and uh, they're going to try to have all of us close together. So hopefully we'll have our big Corpse Flower Press banner and Cabinet of Curiosities and all that stuff. So Space being that you're talking about Bob's space, right? Yeah, space in yeah. July. The small right? press. Yes. Small Press and Alternative Comics Expo, a.k.a. Space. It's in Columbus, Ohio. And it's a great show. Um, sadly, it did not happen this year because of uh covid nothing happened this yeah. year so it's like not no one's going to be shocked by this or anything mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. but hopefully- in fact all of us have just suspended animation none of us are aging we're all the exact same age for two years exactly this is sort yep. of the year of nothing happening like everything's mm-hmm. been sort of like slow motion like i, I feel like i've been treading water yeah 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 oh and so speaking about treading water in slow motion we have weird things that we saw this week christina we should say it slow human skulls human skulls skulls are always weird yeah so um my weird thing is inside a ghost town of abandoned disney castles now one thing i did not glean from this and there's a youtube link um the youtube link is is uh, it's a i guess a youtube channel where they kind of visit abandoned spots in different places around the world and this is a development that was supposed to be uh, of course it was slowed down by covid but it's sort of these houses that all look like sort of castles they're not they look actually fairly decent sized houses it, it, it's kind of a little weird seeing a whole town of these sort of prefab you know, castles. I don't think it's Disney branded, but they do look like castles. Um, actually, to me, it looks better than most housing developments look. So I guess that's a plus there. Except the thing that was interesting about it. Did any? What did you guys watch the the tape? It, it I watched tape. a little bit of it. Listen yeah. to me, circa 1985. Did you guys watch the did tape? Did you watch the <laughs> tape, honey? It I was watched... so adorable. Yeah, there's their tapes. Um, <laughs> if you watch the video um the thing that was interesting is it had all this sort of uh fancy detail on the house but it was all styrofoam like it wasn't real um it wasn't for example it used to be stone carvings and you know wood and that sort of thing and this was some sort of i'm gonna hope that it's i mean i don't know i hope it was something a little bit more robust than just styrofoam i mean it was probably some sort of machined or molded uh, material that weighed a lot less than the traditional materials to make castles um, but I don't know how but well it would hold up to storms or whatever but it was weird yeah. they kind of snuck onto it illegally and yes the houses and and it didn't sound like the project was actually fully dead um, you know I'd love to see more housing developments that had interesting houses this was probably a little over the top because they were so close together it's sort of that's where I had a lot of problems with them. They were way too close together for how vast they were, in yeah. my opinion. I was just like, that close claustrophobia. Hello. I mean, um, maybe it looks better with, it, it would be interesting to see if you could find like an artistic rendering of what, like when they proposed this is the landscaping. It would have been more interesting if perhaps it looked like a medieval village or something and the houses kind of fit together rather than a bunch of little castlets yeah i think they were all i was gonna say it would look better with driveways and foliage instead of just a dirt path but it looked like at least the bits that i saw that the actual main buildings were built by poured concrete and rebar but not even all of the flooring had been finished which was really concerning (laughs) and uh but yeah they all look like miniature i'm gonna say 1700 square foot versions of the magic kingdoms 
castle, Cinderella's castle, complete with blue roof and a tiny little tower at the top. I mean, it would have no, been fun no. if they would have been different designs, like all castles, but you had like very different, yeah, very different types of castles, like having your turrets in different places and your arches and more room for like a garden. That- that I love about old homes is that the design is so interesting you Mm -hmm. know and a lot of them have like weird tiny rooms and weird small spaces and like and who knows why they did it that way sealed in the walls and yeah well there's a a, a, a (laughs) artist friend um that has a house on Clifton and it had like this really cool hidden shape you know hidden safe that was circa like the late 1800s and it, it had of course all the the cool design that um things had back then and i said you know no one ever i mean perhaps they probably have safes but nothing looks cool anymore everything just looks like yeah. a box well you yeah. don't put put your razor blades in the wall anymore yeah as a, yes. as a, as a designer i feel like <laughs> nothing looks cool anymore no, it, yeah, really it does doesn't. get a little bit boring. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's... there's there's no craft or interest. Like, I mean, that's the thing I loved about, I mean, design in the 1800s, like architecture and stuff. They designed stuff with like friezes and sculpture, and you know, imagine designing a factory today where you had a frieze showing a bunch of people working and stuff like they did in the yeah. 1800s. Now it's just a big corrugate building warehouse that has no um that that is almost the antithesis of something interesting yeah Yeah. though i will point out that those that was the time where workers weren't compensated as well and they were still using children to make things so they were saving money somewhere to build those freezes that that's my downer moment i'm sorry everyone i'm a wet (laughs) dish rag on your joy of architecture well i don't know brought to you by cat haunting the podcast (laughs) But I, I don't know if uh, if if the the people the people building the warehouses these days out of Corrigate want to pay their workers actually, and they do. Yeah, <laughs> we could get into a heavy con- just conversation about that. But that's but, not what we're about. That, let's save that till we are a different type of podcast that does <laughs> workers' rights. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think either. None of us are qualified to be speaking on that. So. Well, that's it. <laughs> I draw cartoons by myself in my studio that I never leave. Yes, I know. We're 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 all like in our basements. Well, at least I am. I mean, I don't. You guys aren't in your basement right now, but you could tell Mm -hmm. I'm actually in a basement here. (laughs) I actually always wondered where you were. I'm in the basement. Like, there's a stairwell. There's well, there's a drain back there, so you probably aren't going to see a drain on a main floor. So, oh yeah, that's that's a drain. I had not noticed that. I thought it was just like a cat toy. It would be interesting to see like a spirit come out of it. It's like you that know, would be fun. Satanic dream. It'd be natty. Yeah, exactly. I I'll, well, I'll do that. <laughs> I'll add a little. Yeah, it looks like something. These are my haunted stairs, and it goes down mm-hmm. into our mm-hmm. our office is in our converted basement. We have like that fabric stuff on the walls and drop ceiling, and you mm-hmm. know. So that means I'm in my basement most of the time. Oh. Good for podcasting. That seems it is good for yeah. podcasting. <laughs> But anyway, uh, we could talk about this. Tell, tell us about the Toy and Bee tiles. Yeah, so this was a fun uh, thing, was the Toy and Bee tiles, and that Cincinnati had a number of them. Now, I'm, I'm sure we'll show some photos of the Toy and Bee titles, tiles on uh, here while we're talking. But basically, they are um, a bunch of tiles that are about 12 inches by six inches, about the size of an American license plate. For those of you that use centimeters, it's 30 by 15 centimeters. And uh, they, at least in Cincinnati, they originated in around 2000. Um, Apparently they actually started around Philadelphia and East coast major cities earlier than that, around the late 1980s. And they were found in all major city well not all but a lot of major cities around the world and they were really interesting now they wrote where did i write it um the original toy and b tiles said on them 2001 resurrect dead on planet jupiter and they are considered those are the original toy and b tiles um 
We did have a few in Cincinnati. One was located at 6th and Walnut and the other at 5th and Walnut, just outside the Westin Hotel. And those were rumored to be there since um, at least 2000. Uh, there is a 2001 Cincinnati Inquirer article that I'm not going to read from, but I can tell you who wrote it. Um, it. Sorry, it was a City Beat article by John Stoller, who talks about uh, the... Toy, the Toy and Bee tiles here. One of them read Toy and Bee idea in movie 2001, Resurrect Dead on planet Jupiter. And then it had um, a little bit of extra writing underneath that I can't actually read. But that article popped up on August 8th, 2001, in volume seven, issue 37. So they've been around. Uh, we actually have another one here in Cincinnati that's considered an imitation that reads House of Hades and Colossus of Rhodes, Gotham Exile in Surrealville 2011. And then Double Rush Hogs uh, underneath it. And that one's located at 6th and Walnut in Maine. And... That one popped up a few years ago. I'm going to say the at least since 2011. Um, it, it's just an interesting thing. There's a movie that came out. Where is that? Sorry. Did I not write the movie down? Huh. <laughs> Editing work for you, Christina. Sorry. <laughs> movie, movie, movie. Yeah. So a movie came out in 2011 that was titled resurrect dead the mystery of the toy and b titles i have not watched it but if you would like to learn more about these tiles and who may have created them then go right ahead it's an interesting little tale uh, a lot of people kind of ignored them the original cincinnati ones were paved over when the streetcar was installed so they are no longer around Aww. but that is your quick bit about the toy and b tiles Wow, that's really interesting. I, yeah, I did not know that. I had seen them actually before, but I didn't know the story. Yeah, I had really seen them too, and I was just like, "Ha, cool street art." Yeah, like, I mean, I see it's stuff like that. I love like it seems like stuff like that just just disappearing. Speaking yeah, yeah, it does disappear, but it also tends to reappear. Um, like the worm stickers around Cincinnati. If you look, um, where was it? Along Red Bank expressway too you'll find multiple graffitis of a bee so that's hmm. a new one it's just like trying to figure out who's putting that up and what can it mean is it street art is it gang related i don't know but it's still i like looking at street art like we have a yeah. very small street art uh, mural park that's on duck creek road that hmm. uh you can stop at yeah. though mine there's a lot of semis that park there overnight to sleep. So, so speaking of disappearing hmm. things, heads, disappearing yeah. heads, heads are disappearing. Uh, brought to you by two idiots in Florida. Florida, oh, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe I Florida shouldn't dude. say that. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, but Just these two, fun. these two guys uh, decided to go grave robbing and stole. Uh, four human heads from from graves in Polk county florida that's I'm not a lot of human heads yeah they had seven in total but i think a few of them were fake so oh. only um i guess four were real and it said that i'm not going to name the name them because no don't for no but apparently it was for religious reasons and one guy said one of the guys that stole the skulls that he said that cemeteries were for um what was it oh i can't find it but basically oh he referred to cemeteries as holy sites and shopping centers that's yeah, no. weird that Very is weird. weird see that worked with the weird things that is weird it's very weird, but they would only take the heads of soldiers or people oh. who served. Yeah, because they had to be honorable men or honorable. Huh. So they did name hmm. um, who the heads belonged to. Would you like me to read those or should I not? Sure, you can read them. 
Okay, so the okay, so they had the skull set up in a shrine. In addition to the skulls, the shrine contained bones, sticks, feathers, rocks, turtle shells, and animal skulls. So the skulls belonged to Henry Britton, uh, born 1929, died 1983, a private in the U.S. Army and Korean War veteran. Albert Carr, born 1896, died 1988. That's not right. That's a long life, right? That's a very long life, but that's within natural. Is it? Yeah, it's okay. just... He, he died at like, oh goodness, math. Um, he was 90, 92. So he's very old. Uh, yes. So he lived, he lived <laughs> he a nice old. long life. He was a sergeant. <laughs> I thought you were and, like 1796 to 1988. I would be like, no, ah. I like to confuse myself when I'm on the spot, make myself looking more okay. than I am. So uh, he was born, or 1896, died 1988, a sergeant in the U.S. Army and World War I veteran. Calvin McNair, uh, born 1935, died 1992. Uh, he was military police in the U.S. Marine Corps, buried in his dress blues. He was also a police officer for 11 years in Ansonia, Connecticut. And then Annie uh, Fennell, Daniel. So sorry, Annie. Uh, she was born in 1935, died in 1988. A good Samaritan and caretaker, taker, according to her family. Hmm. Um, both sex suspects are now in Polk County Jail. They are charged with multiple counts of disturbing the contents of a grave and abuse of a dead body. And one of the guys faces additional charges of buying, selling, and trafficking in dead bodies. Whoa. But yeah, My. it was all for the sake of religious purposes. So yeah, I guess yeah, all quarantine different... makes everybody a little crazier. But yeah. you know, at least get your skull somewhere else. Don't don't go digging up people's graves. That's not no. cool. That's, that no, seems don't... very disrespectful. Yeah. Well, that that if you're if you're digging up actual human bodies, that that's black magic being. Well, and I can't imagine how that is hard, extremely hard. Like if they're just doing it with a shovel, because you have to get through a concrete barrier also. Some right? of Because there's, I don't do not know all of this... them have tombs, the concrete tombs. I don't know if all of them and when that became popular. We also don't know which cemetery it was. Or graveyard yeah. and what their restrictions were. Did they so bury bodies do they bury bodies in Florida? I know a lot of those like very wetlandy states, they can't bury bodies because like they could have been in a mausoleum. That would have been a lot easier. Oh wait, there's to... photos of the graves. Oh, they were actual grave point. sites. Oh, they were. They're okay. shattered. I I just looked at the scroll down and no, these were concrete caskets that mm -hmm. were probably around, um, maybe wood or other casket, and they shattered them. Like, oh my god. It looks like that they took a sledgehammer a... to them and just now they're not six feet deep, it looks like like what we'll mm -hmm. find in the Midwest. So you won't mm -hmm. have a vault in the ground, which is what a lot of Midwest places will have. This okay. one just looks like it's at least from these photos, they don't look terribly deep. They actually look like they're half out of the ground and then with Oh, I see. Yeah. Them. Yeah. So uh, uh, that's how their vaults Indiana, are. They can't they have to put everything in mausoleums because right. you can't put anything in the ground because it's wet. It's so mm -hmm. you can't bury well, things. Yeah, well, because they're below sea and, level. And I wondered, I wondered if Florida, a bunch of Florida, was that way too that you just couldn't bury stuff there. I will never forget. I grew growing up in St. Louis, the flood of '93. Watching on the news, the caskets just floating in the water. Wow. Those are well-made um, caskets because they did have good seals and they floated mm -hmm. instead of sick. They floated. But then they also, I don't know if I'm misremembering or combining two events. I remember seeing uh, caskets on the side of the road when they were disinterring a cemetery so they could use the land for uh, expansion or whatever. So they were moving the bodies. Mm -hmm. I'll have to look that up, see if I'm rem remembering that right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but yeah it's just i'm like 
that is one of the reasons why I want to be cremated because you're not you're not guaranteed to stay there forever. Mm-hmm. I've always you know? wanted like one of those green funerals where they just kind of yes. throw you in a biodegradable bag and mm-hmm. bury you yeah. and you rot much faster. Um, you know? you I want to be a tree. Yeah, I mean, the, the caskets <laughs> now, I mean, you basically liquefy, I think. If you're... Mm-hmm. You do. I had a friend <laughs> that was um, a cemetery caretaker uh, a number of years ago. And it doesn't matter where you're put. If you are embalmed and stuck in a casket, either in a crypt or underground, you will get soupy. And if you're in this case, you were, he found a casket was leaking in a crypt. So mm-hmm. somebody was literally oozing out of their final resting place at one point. So Is they, that just from the chemicals? or is that just rotting mostly it's it's the rotting process you have a lot of gases that are produced um Mm -hmm. and -hmm. then in this case it was not a good quality casket and somehow it had gotten punctured and that's when you have air introduced you're able to get bacteria and mold to grow faster and Mm um something happened and that particular person oozed out so i guess we're gonna have to put a content warning beforehand to make sure you're not eating anything before jen's story today so what do you do like i'm totally fascinated by this do they like scoop scoop it up and put it back in and then seal the casket again or do they just leave it oh no they don't leave it um but i think I don't actually remember the end of the story. I'm sorry okay. to kind of no, leave it as a cliffhanger, but I'm thinking what they it, did was contacted the family and then reinterred the person in a new casket with whatever was left in the old one. But whatever had leaked out may have been cleaned by a hazmat team because mm-hmm. that is. Um, well, yeah. Yeah. And if a, you have like biological. Strong... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, well and know... now they put you in a wall a lot of mausoleums they have the wall where you you have a big square mm-hmm. so i mean that's you what could... they leaked out of okay yeah yeah Ooh. i mean like i said i like the green funeral where they just kind of put you in a biodegradable bag and you rot really fast and you know yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't think there you should go back to be the earth kind of, yeah yeah where you just become part of the ecosystem much more quickly depending anyway. on what kind of soil you're put in that's true that's true you can accidentally um, mummify yourself <laughs> if you're put out in the desert you there's actually a great uh, i'm sure you guys have all watched the youtube channel about ask a mortician oh yes oh no what i love caitlin doherty i can't believe that jen has not seen ask a mortician well we have to no. rectify that i yes i will watch it when we're done now. tonight just go marathon it all it's so good by next week she'll like know everything (laughs) yeah so i read the stiff book years ago and i thought it was fascinating well she covers everything like yeah she does everything you can think of about mortuary science 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 Science. (laughs) uh she she uh will talk about and and it's it's fascinating i mean yeah uh, a lot and also just if you really love funeral history there's an awesome museum in oklahoma city or sorry houston uh uh, that is the american funeral museum which i had a opportunity to go visit a few years ago which is really good so if you're a big ask the mortician fan Mm -hmm. this museum kind of puts everything that caitlin's saying together and you're just like oh that's how it works and they also have really cool old hearses and wagons so those are awesome yeah, I mean it's fascinating. You know, they they really go over everything that you can think of that they do, mm-hmm. you know, as far as funerals and you know that sort of thing. Um, and she actually is very into green funerals and green. Yes, she is. Like she doesn't believe you should embalm the body because it puts a lot lot of weird chemicals into the you know in the well, environment. Well, it leaches a lot of chemicals into the ground. With green funerals, do you have to like qualify? Does it depend on what kind of drugs you have in your system when you die? Like if you have chemo or radiation or... I have no idea. Really That's strong? That's a good question for Caitlin. Mm-hmm. She probably has an She has a Patreon, it. which I believe is Ask a Mortician. Because yeah. I follow it. <laughs> I'm going to look her up. because You'll yes. love it. 
It has everything yeah. you ever wanted to know and maybe didn't want to know. About right. Death. I think it's better to know then you can make mm-hmm. a more informed decision. You know, you hear the horror stories of um, the funeral homes that do body farming illegally. And it, yes, it terrifies me. It terrifies me. Like, you know, my mom donated her, her, <laughs> her corneas. So, you know, I'd like to think that that really happened. Of course it did because she was at a very reputable, well-known cemetery. So, or, funeral home so i trust them but then you hear the horror stories of uh family members having to find their their parents head severed head in a catalog for medical stuff and yeah like, oh my god no, no. that's not good <laughs> I, yeah. I, you know it's interesting when uh, my grandmother passed away in the 90s uh, her funeral home director was a good friend and he, I remember him telling me, oh, you know, we went to, we had so many great parties. And I said, you know, that's the sign of a good life when your mortician yeah. says, I remember all, all those wild parties we used to be at. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's a life well lived. Yeah. My mom's cousins owned a, mort- a funeral home in Ohio. So one of the ways she learned how to drive was with an ambulance. Oh, yeah. That the funeral home had. Mm-hmm. So... I remember going hmm? oh finish your story sorry no I remember going to the family funeral home for both my grandmother's and great aunt's funerals and it was a pretty very beautiful Victorian building Mm -hmm. in in I'm not going to name the city but it was very pretty and uh, they did a really good job and I've actually on a separate note or a similar note I've actually investigated a number of funeral homes for uh, paranormal investigations oh neat so because nice. a lot of people will live in apartments above if you have like a large victorian Ooh. home yeah. they'll live in apartments above on the second floor huge. which yeah. they're huge and they're expensive to maintain so uh these were funeral homes that did not have crematoriums attached so mm. but um yeah some we had a shower curtain open up on its own in one house Ooh, wow yeah that was one of my first investigations. Well, that so, is cool. We'll have to talk. Yeah, about he something. had a human skeleton that had been the the guy who lived in this building actually was the son of the funeral home owner, and they had a skeleton, a human female skeleton that had never been claimed since around 1920. So wow. he had her on display in his living room with a boa and a um, Mardi Gras hat and beads, and he named her Lucy and oh. it was so macabre and it is i don't mind displaying the this is my editorialization here i don't mind displaying like taxidermied animals and bugs and insects but human bones should probably go at least in an ossuary mm-hmm. or somewhere where they're going to get a little bit more revered than your mantle Unless so you fully articulate asked for that it person yes <laughs> well, which i don't think he knew lucy no. um she was some poor soul lost in indiana and Aww. yeah she was fully articulated she was wired together and everything they should dna um, test her they should yeah i don't know whatever happened to her this was over a decade ago <laughs> Well, you know, that's the thing that's interesting. Like Catholic churches, almost all like to consecrate a church, it has to have bones of a saint or somebody. Mm-hmm. So they almost all of them have human remains in them. And one thing Santa I noticed. Santa Claus is everywhere. Yeah. And I noticed that um, when we were in Eastern Europe, that they have the same thing, but they have theirs on display. They don't have them like hidden in the altar or whatever. They're actually mm-hmm. like decorating with them, which I thought yeah. was um and actually i know miffy's like miffy's tail i know she's she's here now she loves podcasting yeah we talked about it a few weeks ago jen shared you shared an article about Mm -hmm. all the different um yeah that's right the cathedrals of bones bones. yeah yeah you know it's cool that people donate themselves to to them now and uh yeah did um There was a, um, 
speaking back about comics, uh, one of the best graphic novels in the recent years was Fun Home. Have you read Fun Home mm. by Mm-mm. Alison Bechdel? I nope. highly recommend it. They also made a musical on it too. The musical is really excellent. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But Fun Home is by Alison Bechtel, which everybody probably knows Alison Bechtel because of the Bechtel test. Mm. Uh, oh, yes. She's like, she was best known for her cartoon Dykes to Watch Out For, which was in, I don't think she does it anymore. It was in uh, comic pages for many years. Um, but Fun Home is about, it stands for funeral home. She grew up in a funeral home and um it's it's the story about her it's an autobiographical story about she goes to oberlin uh, college in ohio and um comes out to her when she came out to her family as being a lesbian her father came out as being gay and then committed suicide a month later Um, and so the story is pretty and and their, their father was like obsessed with he, they had a, a Victorian home in Pennsylvania. He was obsessed with fixing it up and all this stuff. And it's a really interesting story. At one, she actually got a MacArthur Genius Grant a couple of years ago. She's an amazing graphic novelist and cartoonist. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I highly recommend that book. But it talks about the funeral home there too, and you know when they're little kids, you know helping their yeah. dad in the funeral home and stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's a really fascinating. Uh, story yeah it's an interesting way to grow up just not not having read her story but the stories i heard from my family Mm. it's an interesting way of growing up because you're surrounded by death 24 7 Mm -hmm. and in the case my i guess he would be an uncle of mine but you're looking at like second Mm -hmm. removed um having to be up at all times of day to go collect people that had passed away and in a manner of different ways like you had everything from your normal nursing home collection hospital collection to accident scene collection in some cases so people driving off and hitting a tree and like them back you're looking at the 60s and 70s so the medics weren't always able to get people so he would have to help that's why they had an ambulance instead of just a hearse they had a hearse too but yeah it's so stories um and then wow just how they grieved was a little bit altered it and because you're surrounded by death the chemicals and everything so in their case Mm -hmm. the embalming room and everything was in the basement so and and the bodies would come in through the basement so you you would only the where they grew up the front of the house was the actual funeral home and the back of the house and the second story was the family home mm-hmm. so their kitchen was actually just behind the funeral the actual parlors where they would show the wow. bodies that's pretty okay. so, yeah and they came out i would say all well they're rather well adjusted became nurses and doctors so well you probably, well, yeah. probably would would be more used to handling things you know yeah. if you grew up that way yeah yeah but anyway well segue into our <laughs> main topic <laughs> yes and uh i think unlike other weeks past this one does not have an explicit content warning oh yay <laughs> <laughs> because today's topic is the cincinnati subway Yay! I know this is one that a lot of people are interested in, and there's been many books written about it. So this is maybe not as in-depth as uh, Mecklenburg's book, but we'll still get into the history bits. So the Cincinnati subway system. Am I presenting, ladies? Yes, I just just, uh, made it speaker view. Oh, hi! (laughs) Um, Okay, so believe it or not yeah no (laughs) pressure here at all um believe it or not cincinnati used to be one of the top 10 largest cities in the united states but this was at the turn of the 20th century and we had a very booming economy because of the uh, ohio river and our canals and we were known as porkopolis and also we got the moniker the queen city around this time a little bit beforehand 
of course, like all the major cities in the United States, there was a big boom and a big push to build mass transit. And this started around the 1880s because of the invention of the subway. And Cincinnati was no, uh, Cincinnati was very eager to do this as well. We actually were building our subway in tandem with Boston's. Uh, so plans to create a city subway started as early as 1884 with the trains being, uh, with, yeah, with trains being illustrated in newspapers in the drain canal systems that we had downtown and as using those as their, their routes. A little over two miles long, it was considered the largest abandoned system in the United States. So to this day, we have the largest abandoned subway system underneath Central Parkway and a few other areas in the downtown and over the Rhine neighborhoods. Um, it follows Central Parkway, as I just said, which used to be a very polluted canal and was a lot of the epicenter of the massive, massive cholera and yellow fever outbreaks that we would have in the city, which actually really changed the um, way our city was laid out in the 1915, 1910s to 1920s and uh, a lot of the migration up into the hills that we have now. Um, and you can actually find evidence of the old subway system that is still around through the vents and other masked landmarks around the city. So let me take you on a small little history tour. So like I said, back in 1884, we had the first mumblings of a subway system, but it wasn't until 1912 when the Cincinnati politicians decided that, hey, this is a great idea. It's golden. We should totally do this. So the initial rapid transit system was planned out and it would loop around the entire city and over the Rhine neighborhood with a total of 16 stops and a branch into the downtown area. Um, so the initial funds for the project were from Hamilton County as opposed to the city. And the entire system would not be underground. However, it would surface at Brighton and St. Bernard and a portion of it would be above ground running along the Ohio River. Now, if you drive um, down 75 North, actually you can see if you're going 75 South, it is around the Hopple Street exit and you will see the Western Hills, around the Western Hills Viaduct, you'll see this gated door into a hill. And that's actually where the subway would pop out and go on over the land along the Ohio River, what was supposed to be up the Western side of its loop. Um, so, yeah, it is, that tends to be also the very popular place to access the tunnels if you are an urban explorer up to trouble. So I'm just going to say that there. Um, let's see. So originally the subway system was estimated to take about $12 million in 19 teens money to build, but was later cut to $6 million with the price which was the price when uh, the people voted in 1916 to in fact build the subway. They were very excited about it. I was reading through some of the Inquirer archives this afternoon and there were so many fun little tidbits just like, yes, the Cincinnati subway. This is me paraphrasing in like 2020s talk now, but they were just so jazzed that this bill was being built and going to put Cincinnati on the head of the curve of Cincinnati of United States cities and they were just happy about it. Uh, at the time, 80% of the people voted yes on draining the old canal system and making it into the subway rail system, which made it actually really easy because you didn't have to build ditches. They were already there. You just had to drain out the swamp that was already causing so much illness in the city and just put concrete reinforcements around it which we have photos of thank you jen and uh, construction started right after world war one on january 28 1920 with the ground being broken on walnut street and lasted until 1925 when allegedly the city ran out of funds and yes i said the city because the property the the possession of the project switched 
1923, a little over two miles of the subway system had been completed. This is the stuff that's completed to this day. But due to inflation of cost of the project, and the budget was tapped out. New plans were made to reduce the size of the subway loop. Uh, the, city, the city of Cincinnati took over the project in 1926 when Mayor Murray Seasongood, I love his last name, took control of the project. An estimated additional 10 million was needed to complete the transit project. And in 1928, the Central Pro Parkway, the road in downtown Cincinnati, was opened. It was built right on top of the transit tunnels. So we had something that we all know as the Great Depression. And that halted everything <laughs> in the city. And it also killed any future development of this project. Uh, they ha there have been multiple attempts to revive the Cincinnati subway, but a, uh, it looks like a study in 1948 actually put the final nail in the coffin, so to say. Um, when they built I-75 in the 1960s, they actually destroyed most of the, uh, actually all of the above ground portions. So that's why you see at Hopple Street, along the Western Hills Viaduct, that door to a hill, because that's the end of what was the above ground area. And uh, so the above ground stations that had been built but got destroyed were Marshall Street, Ludlow Avenue, Clifton Avenue, and Reading Road. All four of the built stations that were underground, however, still exist, and they are time they are time capsules of the Queen City's golden years because this was really built during the height of Cincinnati at the beginning of the 20th century. Uh, those stations are Race Street, Lynn Street, Liberty Street, and Brighton Place. Also, the city spends about 2.6 million in today's money to maintain the tunnels since they sit directly below Central Parkway, a number of our business buildings, and our Central Parkway being the major thoroughfare that it is in Cincinnati. The tunnels also ho house a water main and fiber optics cables. So because of the water main and the fiber optics cables, this makes it a little bit less likely that we're going to get actual tours of the tunnels for safety reasons. Uh, they just, city planners don't want people knowing where all this is. However, Race Street Station is the one that gets photographed a lot because if you know who to turn to and you're willing to go through all the steps um, and all the red tape, you can go visit the Race Station. Um, like a lot of uh, Cincinnati newspapers like Cincinnati Magazine or the Inquirer do. And I think that's also probably the safest station to visit. It's the easiest to get to and everything. They have a pair of wooden staircases over the old stone ones for safety. And it's well lit and pretty clean. There's a lot of questions as to why it was completed. Um, so this is where we're going to reference Jake Mecklenburg's book, Cincinnati Incomplete Sub the Cincinnati's Incomplete Subway, The Complete History, which is very well rated and you can get it on Amazon. Uh, there were a lot of factors as to why it was not completed. The first, Cincinnati's politics changed drastically during those times. We had the Great Depression happening and politics just changed naturally along with the economy and the, it kind of fell out of favor. Uh, there was also changes in the laws that made bond issues possible, which I know Mecklenburg goes more into this, but I actually found a clipping from the Cincinnati Enquirer from around, oh, 1922, I think is when it's from. And you could buy bonds to help support this project. And it, this was an ad taking it out in the Cincinnati Enquirer. So that became difficult. Um, and then also you had wartime material prices, which were inflated. Uh, which inflated the project costs. And yeah, if suddenly you have to pay three times as much for steel than you thought you had to, you're not gonna be able to build as much. Uh, there's also, in today's world, we have the highly controversial streetcar, the, the Cincinnati Bell Connector, which runs in a loop from downtown to the over the Rhine neighborhood. Um, just speaking for myself here, it's really fun to ride. I liked going through it because you get to see all the cool mur murals without having to walk like the four miles it would to get to do all the mur mural murals. There we go. And uh, 
I used to live in a major city. I used to live in Nagoya, Japan, and holy crap, I miss mass transit. This is just me speaking here. Um, I super duper miss mass transit. I don't want to have to get into my car to go to our Cincinnati like Skechers meetings. I would love to be able just to hop onto a subway. And I think it would help with a lot of our transit problems in the city. And our bus system is so slow and bad. They try their best, but they're just not, they're just not prepared. And of course, just like anything that I talk about, it is said to be haunted. (laughs) Ah, There have been ghost stories that the abandoned system is haunted by the men who built the, um, the tunnels while pouring concrete and such in the 1920s. The reported phenomena that is apparently happened there are disembodied footsteps, disembodied voices, moving shadows, and the feeling of being watched or someone standing right behind you. Also, people have been chased through these tunnels, either 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 through other urban explorers chasing other groups or maybe even the cops, because I will say this, the Cincinnati subway may be unsafe to enter and it is monitored by the Cincinnati police department. So if you do go inside, you're placing yourself at risk for arrest or bodily injury by going inside on your own. And occasionally there are tours of the race street race street station and some of the tunnels so if you're curious just kind of watch the newspaper and uh i know what was i think is it cincinnati legacy tours one of the tours used to do it and also there was tours through the um museum center that you can do so what you think i i'd love to take the tour it sounds really cool Um, yeah i tried to do it years ago and i actually contacted someone from the museum center and it it is that mofo was booked all yeah. the time mm-hmm. and they can't really tell you when it's going to be because they have to figure out because they shut down the water main when you go down there mm-hmm. in case it ruptures and they yeah. can't do that very often and that that water main is a main water main it is huge mm-hmm. i've seen pictures of it so god i want to yeah, go just, down there so bad me too me too <laughs> We just had one burst the water main mm. along the riverfront like last week. So sorry, yeah. everyone along the riverfront. I yeah. mean, one of the issues with the subway um, that uh, it's interesting, it didn't come up in, you know, really obviously in the news stories and perhaps it's because it's suppressed, but um, there was a lot of lobbying against public transportation. Um, mm-hmm. As recently as the Koch brothers, they put a lot of money trying to kill streetcar projects and public transport projects around the country, even today. Um, but a lot of streetcars, since I used to have streetcars and all sorts of stuff mm-hmm. like that, and they were all put out of business by, they wanted people to buy cars and you don't buy mm-hmm. cars when you have easy public transit and um you know so oh man what was it that it was the along the hills there's only one left now those little incline. trolleys that go yeah we have one yeah. incline left yeah. i don't think it works but yeah, yeah they they went up there. all the hills yeah they had the, mm-hmm. the cable cars that went up um and a lot of the tra- local transit systems were bought by uh car companies and killed because they didn't mm-hmm. want the public transportation i mean the united states has been and there now there's a lot of discussion like that the building of the highways like 75 really destroyed a lot of minority neighborhoods and and mm-hmm. shattered lives and like they just did eminent domain and tore down a lot of especially like detroit i think they tore mm-hmm. down a lot of um neighborhoods and stuff to build 75 and the way the highways work they kind of cut off the downtowns in a lot of ways made it harder to get to and which seems mm-hmm. counterintuitive but something like the the way that these communities are now mean that a lot of really nice areas in cities end up having to have parking lots whereas if you mm-hmm. had robust um, public transportation like waterfronts and stuff rather than having giant parking lots there would have more stuff for people yeah so i know for the neighborhood that i'm in we would have had two different which is along norwood um 
we would have had two different locations. We would have had Smith Street and Duck Creek Road would have been a stop. And then the other one would have been Dana Avenue and, um, oh man, oh, Montgomery, I think, Road. Hmm. Um, it, it's around there. So those would have been the two stops in my area uh, yeah. looking at the loop. So yeah, it's, I miss mass transit. I think it's something Cincinnati dearly needs. Um, oh, it, it solves so many. Yeah. I mean, but the, but the problem now is it just costs a lot it's a huge investment Mm -hmm. and you have to change people's minds um unfortunately in the united states and you know even looking at places where there is good public transportation like new york city the infrastructure there is actually really needs to be updated Mm -hmm. and i forget how many billion of dollars it's going to cost and a lot of people move to new york city for the same reason they love the public transportation and and stuff like that and it needs billions of dollars They're, they've been building that subway up second street for like 20 years and it's still taking mm-hmm. forever um and all that stuff needs to be shored up and fixed and unfortunately things like like the great depression what we've just had with the with covid is going to put a wrench in a lot of those types of big plans i mean even the streetcar in cincinnati i think it's limping along who knows how much longer that will last yeah, yeah. Um, you know, because people right now aren't traveling and, you know, the stuff like that, you know, right now, not, not many people are going to want to sit on a bus or a, a um, rail, you know, streetcar when you might be around people that are infected. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that takes a huge investment to keep those things alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, which I is got sad. motion sickness when I rode the, the streetcar. It made me I, I, I don't I can't ride it unless I, I think it's because I was sitting backwards oh that would so do it. maybe if I'm sitting forward it won't make me as sick but it I mean me, I love me taking nauseous. I love taking trains places and and that's something mm-hmm. you have in Europe but you don't have here and it would be great to take a train from Cincinnati to Chicago that would get there in an hour God, yeah, that would be really nice. most other yeah. cities have that in other countries but our con- and they were going to build a train between they're going to do the remember, was it the three or four c corridor like there was federal money to build mm-hmm. that train it was allocated and i believe Kasich turned it down he's not a transit guy and he they had the money allocated and were ready to do the train system it'd be cincinnati columbus cleveland and then you God, know, that would have been amazing Yes, and it was killed because Kasich refused to do so. Yeah, is Kasich's a nice guy. Sorry, no, mm-hmm. I, I apologize for mentioning, but, but Kasich absolutely said he did. Well, he said he'd take the money, and then, uh, but the federal government said, "Well, you can't have it to use it on something else. You have to use it to build the train." I mean, it was yeah. like a shovel-ready project. Though I will say, we do need to dearly fix the seventy-five, seventy-one bridge. So into Kentucky, but they're fighting over who will pay for it. I mean, it's it all. Yeah, I know, but it needs to be fixed because the semi caught fire on it, and now it's quick. Here's a thought: Go Dutch, fifty-fifty. Come on now, (laughs) we both use it. (laughs) Or or do a thruple like Kentucky, Ohio, and the federal government, (laughs) or or that, yeah. dollars do is they pay for these structures and so many people yeah. you know get mad about paying taxes and you know paying taxes is important um you mm-hmm. know whether now we're starting to sound like angry old women yeah i'm really the only person that's old so you know i feel i'm shaking my cane no um for angry women yeah well i think a lot of times people don't realize you know that's one of the things that you tr- that you want with government and it's been sort of all the sort of austerity planning of i guess we could talk about this forever let's talk about ghosty yeah stuff. yeah <laughs> let's talk about hometown haunts yes yay but this all is right a fascinating topic i mean transit systems and stuff like i love taking the train mm-hmm yeah Subway. and cincinnati was such it competed so much against chicago for rail work and mm-hmm. uh, railways and all that so yeah it, it's go cincinnati we know you can do it 
Yes. Great. Well, what yes. they need to do is, <laughs> and they were going to do light rail in Cincinnati too, and that got killed as well. But yeah. again, there's a lot of people that don't want these systems because they don't, they want it to be all cars, which cars are, you know, not a, a great solution either. I mean, no. I, there is no I mean, perfect. You're, I grew up in the Midwest. I have, oh, I have driven my car from coast to coast. Mm -hmm. I love driving, love it. But if I had a train or a subway or, or anything on rails that would take me quickly to downtown to where I wouldn't have to deal with road rage and traffic, I would mm -hmm. gladly, gladly let my car sit in a parking lot while I hop on at a station. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, oh God, yeah. I would love it. I don't like driving. <laughs> so yeah. subways are awesome. But moving on, we have our hometown haunts. Yes. So every week, except for last week, uh, we read your hometown haunts, which are ghost stories submitted by you, the viewer and the listener to us at here at the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities. If you would like to submit your own ghost story, it doesn't have to be from Cincinnati. It can be from anywhere in the world. You can write us at Cincinnati. Let's see. You can write us at CincyCuriosities at gmail.com. So would either of you like to read tonight's submission? Um, you want to read it, Jen? Sure, I can read it's it. My, you... it's, for, it's for my friend Sandy. So uh, go ahead okay. and read it. Uh, Sandy says, so here's my personal ghost story. When Doug and I were on our honeymoon back in 2003, we were in this beautiful castle in Ireland. We were in our quaint room and I had to use the bathroom. It was small and antique looking. While I was in there, I had a vision of a woman sitting in the bathtub with her knees curled into her chest. In my vision, the water was running, but in fact, the tub was dry. The woman was crying and she had red hair that was loosely back in a bun. This vision was so vivid, I felt like I could reach out and touch her. I wasn't scared at all, but really more concerned. She was crying pretty hard. And it was clear to me that she had a very traumatic event happen to her. I feel like she occupied that room before us, probably quite a number of years ago. I wanted to look up any prior happenings in that castle, but we never did look into it. All these years later, I still see this poor woman so vividly and wonder what happened to her in that room. No, oh, wow. It's a great story. That, that is, is a, a great good story. story. Very well written too, Sandy. Yes. Thank you, Sandy. I appreciate that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> see, you don't have to have a ghost story from Cincinnati. <laughs> well, you know, no. it's interesting because again, the, the, the link with water we've had yeah, a lot of stories true. around it seems like a lot of the stories we get take place in bathrooms and water mm -hmm. um and hmm. is there is there is there is there something is there a reason why it often is considered that in your findings but stories is it does water hold something is there something about the water that is conducive to paranormal activity there's just a lot of mystery around water because we both need it and it can kill us. So there's a lot of need and fear about uh, water. So you have a lot of ghost stories and a lot of different beliefs depending on where in the world you are with how you interact with water. Um, you have anything from gin, you have elemental spirits or fey of water. If you're in Japan, there's different water kami that you can experience, which are similar to elementals, but not quite. And uh, even with ghost stories, what pops to mind is La Llorona, which is a female ghost that haunts the waterways of South America. And now parts, well, North America, sorry, Mexico, and then parts of the United States have their own Yadrona stories, like notably Gary, Indiana, of all places, has a very famous. Uh, really? Yeah, uh, Yadrona of Klein Avenue, and mm -hmm. ironically, at the same time, there is a uh, ghostly bride in white that is said to also haunt a different stretch of Klein Avenue. So mm -hmm. we have two female specters haunting the same street, just in different locations. Oh, that's really interesting. Uh, Do they so, ever yeah. meet and have gossip? Or are they I fighting? like to think so. Yes, <laughs> yes. No, 
this totally, is my territory <laughs> no i think i think they like to sit down have tea and talk about who they scared recently oh, that'd um, be fun <laughs> yeah gang up on the living mm-hmm. um and then you also have a bunch of interesting creatures like kappa which are these kind of turtle looking things in japanese mythology and then um oh selkies in irish the the horses that will come out of the ponds and take you down and then even i think it's in oklahoma it's the water babies which and we also have crying baby ponds in ohio too where people will go to a pond and think they hear like a baby crying or drowning and then go into the water and then are pulled down into it yeah so um there's a lot of fear with water with humans yeah people die in it yeah i mean there's under all the time in water i mean so it Mm -hmm. is it is something to be cautious about yeah so i think that's why it may just play such an important role in supernatural because it is a important role in just humanity we we need water to survive it's a primal instinct to be afraid of it if you go too far Mm -hmm. so in order to dark water that you can't see into and then you know dark you have tank girl where you know the world is running out of water mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. or you can have water world where there's just way too much of it and That's it's all true. salt water things are just yeah. never it's, it's just never just right it's always there's no very goldilocks it's just no. yeah. <laughs> well uh, on that note uh i think that yeah this is the conclusion yeah this was a good episode i hope you all learned a lot and if you have your so own... interesting yeah um it, it's just an interesting abandoned area um that someday i would like Ooh. to visit all of us yes jen can i mention another blog on this or is that too of course. No. not cool i think so, i think we like to encourage creativity in blogs uh look up creepy cincinnati they yes. have a subway theme and then uh recently on facebook if you follow creepy cincinnati um someone submitted to him a bunch of really cool fo- photos going really into the tunnels and oh, wow. you can you could see the old um i don't i think it was world war ii they had bunkers down there oh, in yeah. case of um being bombed and that stuff is still there like the the bed frames are still there wow. yeah they they tried to repurpose the tunnels a number of different ways that was yeah. one of them i'll try to, try to make them that. into freight transit there was another but yeah. we could probably dedicate even more time to the cincinnati tunnels than just this so yeah mm-hmm. yeah well i just so if so if people wanted to see get a, no, we'll like a really good in. idea of what it looks like yeah I, i'm gonna yeah, go look at that you. right now i want to i'm curious i mean I, like i said i'm dying to take tours there's also a lot of tours of of the underground uh brewery stuff too that you can mm-hmm. go to and i haven't gotten on those either but I would we could probably to- talk about the um beer garden history of cincinnati in a future episode because yeah. we have a lot of those the over the rhine neighborhood is i believe the largest collection of that style building in the united states outside of new york city and all of those have basements and sub-basements where beer was chilled and mm-hmm. made. So I know you can visit a lot of those locations. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you could before the COVID, but yeah. yeah. All right. Well, this has been a great episode and we'll see you guys oh. next week. And I will have kittens. Maybe they'll be, hopefully they'll be down here and you'll see them playing around. And you'll maybe see Miffy hissing at them and... so thank you for joining us if you have your own story to submit it's cincycuriosities at gmail.com and Yay. follow us on all our social media we have a twitter which is sin cabinet curio on twitter and also an instagram which is cincy cabinet of curiosities we're quite chatty and on it a lot so thank you for joining us have an awesome week and we'll see you later Bye. Bye-bye.